And here we are over here, podcasting direct from Valhalla Studios, where all brave lawyers go when the, when the legal industry kills them from boredom. Delivered using the heaviest microphone of law. Located in Brooklyn, New York, the unofficial center of the country, this is Vinny Maletti, partner, founder of Maletti Law, self proclaimed uh, self proclaimed and proven Moshak here in NYC, and this is the Maletti Law Podcast. Here we are bringing to you the evolution of law, current events, stories of the unusually motivated, and answering all of your questions and concerns as the legal service services, business needs, and general day legal issues. The date today is Monday, December 21st, 2020. It is now officially day 291 of the state of emergency in New York, which never seems to uh, ever want to subside. And let's bring it up. All right. Well, here we go. Um, today, just like many others, trying to keep these podcasts about 40, about 40 minutes trying to. Uh, I usually go through a couple of things, one issues of the day. Typically, people have questions, they submit them, and I respond to the questions. These headphones are just not happening, so they got to come out. Um, and usually, questions I answer, whatever people have. I like to answer them over here. I'll usually plug somebody, whatever the case is, and I'll give like a preface to some things we're going to be doing in the future. So let's get this party started. Uh, I would like to start today with understanding these COVID restrictions because this is happening over and over and over again. Um, I'm constantly being bombarded with these questions. The Department of Health and, uh, you know, the Nazi, the SS ministry that Cuomo sends over in the Avenue in Brooklyn, uh, you know, likes to torment us every single day over here. And quite frankly, you know, nobody really knows what's going on. They come in, they make all their idle threats. Um, everybody's terrified, scared, everybody's afraid to challenge them. So, look, I'm going to walk you through today, piece by piece, what is the statute, um, what is required, what's not required, where a couple of the carve-outs are, where a couple of the gray areas are, because the fact of the matter is... At some, at some, some, some point, you need to understand. I can't get this message out enough. I hand out flies. People don't read them. I write podcasts. People don't read them. I'm, I'm sorry. I write articles. People don't read them. I draw happy pictures of Cuomo with a crown on his head. Um, people look at the pictures. They laugh. Ha, ha, ha. But no one really looks at it. At some point, um, you people. <laughs> I don't know how else to deliver this message. So I'm going to try to deliver the message today through a podcast. All right. Well, let's get this party started. Um... So basically everything to this day, as you all know, has been executive orders. One executive order after another, after another, after another. I'm going to adjust this camera, which I probably should be doing before the video. But as you can see, we're very off the cuff here. And no, I don't edit because only amateurs edit. So since day one, since I want to say March 2nd, or when was the first executive order? March 7th, I think it was the first executive order relating to this, the state of emergency. I mean, we have just been going through a series of executive orders and... No statute, no law, uh, nobody you know contemplating anything. Nothing coming out of the legislature. Blah 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 blah. Finally, at some point, you know, about you know seven months after the, the executive orders were passed, the Department of Health actually administered some kind of regulations. Um, I believe the regulations were published. I see here on their website, which is regs.health.ny.gov. You could also go to my website at Maletti Law. If you go up to Policies and Legal, you will find it. That's MalettiLaw.com, Policies and Legal. You will see everything there for yourself. You know, that's where you can see it. But I'm going to walk you through it today to show you how this thing operates. Um, so basically, Friday, November 27, 2020 was when this was passed. Um, basically, the COVID emergency regulations promulgated by the Department of Health. Um, this the source is Public Health Law, Section 201-206-225, and Executive Order 202-14. These are already 201, 206, and 225. Those are pre-existing statutes. Those just declare the, the uh, Secretary of Health's authority to do things like this. Um, and Executive Order 202.14 was what delegated, was what instructed them to do this. 
Now, you all know my position on these executive orders. Um, he So he cites to it, and you'll see it here in section uh, 6631. It says here that the... <clears throat> That the provision of this subpart shall only apply for the duration of the state of disaster emergency declared pursuant to sections 28 and 29. So I'll read it again a little bit slower because I talk very fast. This shall apply only for the duration of any state disaster emergency declared pursuant to sections 28 and 29A of the executive law related to the outbreak of COVID-19 in New York State. What this means is that this section so this subpart 66-3 if i remember the statute i want to say it's nyc nycrr 66 this only applies for the duration of the state of disaster emergency um declared in section 2829 so once that is expired this ends and that's it my wife is in the back with the music excuse me i guess i have to put these on now otherwise i can't i just hear her ah the pleasures of podcasting at home and not having an office outside of the house. Okay, so where were we? <laughs> so section 66.3.1, duration applicability. Remember, this is only in effect as long as the state of emergency is declared, which is why Cuomo declares it every single month and keeps renewing it. Why? Because it keeps us as power indefinite, or so we think. Um, you all know my position if you read my blog. The executive order is section 29, 28 and 29 specifically. They do not permit him to grant new powers. He's never is never given the ability to be granted new powers. Rather, those specific statutes, what they do is they allow him to, um, they allow him to kind of like pause, suspend certain powers, suspend certain regulations, which are required for him to effectively implement his executive orders. So to create new authority, to create new powers for agencies is fundamentally incorrect. And that's where, I mean, first of all, number one, it starts all wrong from the very premise, right? from the concrete, from the foundation of the house, it already starts wrong. So that's improper anyway, but whatever. We'll fight about that. I've already blogged, I've complained. No one gives a shit. I'm the one that complains. So moving on. So we go into face coverings. This is actually fantastic because every, I don't know where they get those stupid surgical masks from. Um, they don't work. They've been proven ineffective over and over again. I literally blew out my Christmas birthday candles. If you follow me on social media, You've seen how you've used this fantastic fuck Cuomo uh, mask to blow up my crisp, to blow up my birthday candles, and it worked fantastic. So um, it was great at blowing out candles. It's double layered, which is more so than those stupid surgical masks. Um, but whatever, it is what it is, right? So here's the rule behind face coverings. Uh, face coverings have no rules. There's no standard. They're inclusive to be anything. Um, here they talk to homemade. Here they speak about homemade sewn mask bandanas. If you want to wear a bandana on your face, you know, just to prevent the spread of COVID, because you know everybody knows those are just airtight and solid. Um, it mentions surgical masks and 95 respirators, but it's very inclusive. It shall include, but not limited to. Right. That's all it says. So a little bit later on, I'll make a recommendation. So technically, just so you know, according to the statute, this little mesh here, the most breathable mask ever in history. This little mask here also qualifies as a face covering on the section 663.2E Roman numeral one. Okay, so 
Uh, let's keep another thing too. All right, so when do you wear face coverings, right? When do you, uh, let's use the term coverings because it's really not a mask because you're not obligated to wear just a mask or whatever the case is. It really could be, it could be a napkin. You could put a napkin on your face apparently. And you know, that's, I mean, it, it really shows how absurd and stupid um, this rule is. And it just also shows how they think you're absurd and stupid as the public. So anywho, so your face coverings, who's supposed to wear a face covering, right? So any person, we'll scroll down to it here. So look at section A, right? Any person who is over the age of two and able to medically tolerate a face covering shall be required to cover the nose and mouth with a mask or face covering when in a public place and unable to maintain social distancing. So what does that tell you? Do you remember, uh, I want to say MQ3? MQ4 when you learn logic in high school, right? So if there's an or, it could be either condition. If it's an end, it must be both conditions. So in this section, you see here, you have to be, the requirement is you have to be in a public place and unable to maintain social distancing, which is defined as at least six feet. And at least six feet between any other persons other than members of your household. So if you're walking outside with your someone in your household, a roommate, a friend, wife, spouse, whatever, child, pet, I don't know. If you're walking with somebody in your household, apparently COVID doesn't flip back and forth. COVID only attacks strangers. So we learned that about COVID. It only attacks strangers um, who are within six feet of each other. So that's that. But so keep in mind, remember, you have to be in a public place and, at a, and unable to maintain social distancing. So all those places that require you to wear your mask outdoors are stupid and they're going beyond the statute. They don't need to. Um, that's not that's not a requirement. That's not necessary. Right now, you have to be also over the age of two and and able to medically tolerate a face covering. If you are unable to medically tolerate a face covering, you do not need to be wearing masks. Um, so if you say you have bronchitis, emphysema, technically, any company could be like, you know what? I'm taking your word for it. I'm not going to require you to bring in the doctor's note, whatever the case may be. You are... I'm going to assume that what you're saying is truthful and accurate. You're only in my store temporary. And if you say you have a medical condition, I'm going to assume in good faith that you're telling the truth. Done. You don't need to lose the money. You don't need to fight with the customer. They come in, they buy their stuff, and they leave. Problem solved. So these upset, this obsessive compulsion with businesses... And I'll tell you why that happens, obviously, because you know I see it every day in my neighborhood with the Nazis at the Department of Health come in and threaten everybody. This obsession of compulsion, this obsessive behavior by business owners um, seeking compliance with this is ludicrous and it's unnecessary. And you see here in section 66-32D, business operators and building owners, uh, you shall deny admittance to any person who fails to comply with this section and shall require to compel or have the person removed, but you're supposed to apply this in a matter consistent with the ADA and the human rights law. So again, if someone says, look, I have a medical condition, I can't wear it, you are perfectly within your right to let them go and not give it, not, not be frustrated. So you don't, so for business owners who are already not making any money, you don't need to push money away. There are people like me who will spend good money and I will not go into a place and I will not patron your place if you ask me to. And I'm a good spender too, so, and I won't patron your place if you try to enforce any of this on me. So remember, keep that in mind. You're going to lose money and you don't have to because the statute says it right there, okay? And remember, there's another question too, right? If you look at section A, it's really, this really only determined, this is really only supposed to be directed at somebody in a public place and unable to maintain social distance, right? So you have two types of, you have two types of um, 
establishments, right? You have a public establishment, you have a public entity, and you have a private entity, right? Public entity is, you know, the hospital, you know, gets public funding, right? Um, the museum, a school, those are public entities. Those are public places. Um, a park is like a public place, right? Outdoor place. Um, private is different, right? Private, private employer. So the way I interpret this as a lawyer, it's only to apply to public places unless it specifically talks about the business operation pursuant to the Department of Health. So what that tells me is if you are a business that was not regulated prior to this, this does not apply to you. So if you're a personal training, I'm sorry guys, if you're a personal training studio <laughs> and you sit there, technically this should not apply to you. The only reason why it does is because the courts are terrified to challenge the governor. There's not, in my eyes, if you are an agent, if you are an entity that never had this type of regulation before COVID, and now there's this type of regulation, and, they, and like in my neighborhood, they come into your building every single day, nonstop, endlessly, and harass you, which I chase them out of properly, and they come out and harass you, you have, if you have no statute on the books prior to that, you should not be, you should be pushing them out. You, should, you have every right to be pushing them out. There's no reason for them to be there because it does, it does not specifically speak about to you. It does not specifically speak here. It's not direct. And if it's not direct and not speaking to you, you should not be bothered. Okay. So moving on. So let's go down to, I want to go directly to penalties because penalties is big, right? Because everybody's nervous about penalties. And this is why all businesses compel. So I don't know what happens in your neighborhoods. I live in Gravesend in 11223. Every single day, the Department of Health comes to the neighborhood and threatens everybody with $15,000 fines. If you don't comply, you're going to get a $15,000 fine. Blah, 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 blah. Endlessly. They go to small mom and pop bodegas and they tell small mom and pop bodegas or they tell those little Asian 99 cent variety stores and they tell them every day, if you don't comply with this, you're going to get a $15,000 fine. Motherfucker, there is no $15,000 fine for you. Okay? Because let's go down to the statute. You have it up on the screen. The statute says very, very, very clear. A violation of any provision of this subpart is subject to all civil and criminal penalties as provided by law, which there are none here because there's nothing specified. Okay. Every time you, especially in the criminal context, if there's going to be, and, and I challenge anyone out there in the world, if there's going to be a criminal penalty, you better fucking believe there's a statute. I have the penal I have the penal law up there from still from law school. The only reason why I didn't get rid of it is because it's 17,000 pages long. There is, and it just looks very smart. It makes me look like a very intelligent attorney. That thing is a million pages long. I, I'm telling you right now, if there's a crime, if there's a criminal penalty, it's written. If there is not, there is nothing written to this. Why? Because it never went to the legislature. It stays in the executive order. It's never, it has never, it, and and it's designed like that because it's designed to expire when the exact when the state of emergency expires. This will never see the light of day to a legislature, and that's how it works. Okay. So, but going back, let's go through the statute, right? So, individuals or entities—that's a company. That violates this subpart are subject to a maximum fine of a thousand dollars for each violation of this section here. Again, you have ways out. Someone's in without a mask. You say in good faith they told you that they were um, that they had a medical problem, right? That they had some kind of medical issue that they couldn't tolerate. It's fine. But here's the thing: it's ma it's a maximum fine of a thousand dollars per each violation. If you are in a bodega, you do not have multiple people inside your bodega. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. I live in Coney Island. I don't care who you are. You do not have multiple people inside your bodega, okay? You have three people, four people. 
and you're not and, and I'm sure two out of three have a mask on. Maybe all three have a mask on. So the one person that doesn't, you you just you never come into fifteen thousand. So they scare you with that bullshit, right? Now, the only time you're subject to fifteen a maximum a maximum fine of fifteen thousand dollars is if you violate sixty six three A or three B. So we go to that. So when you go to those sections, right? That has to do with the non-essential gatherings. That was really directed toward places with greater than 10 individuals for any reason. Essentially, that was the fuck you to the church and that was the fuck you to the synagogue. That's what that was. Um, that was dealt with by the Supreme Court and they pushed back on that. But uh, they pushed back on, they gave Cuomo general warning. They pushed back on treating them differently from others. Um, treating, you know, treating the, what do you call it? Treating the church is a little bit worse than treating, say, like, I don't know, billiard hole, pool holes or whatever, parks or whatever. <clears throat> so, but that's the thing. But keep that in mind. Unless you're violating 66-3.3A or B, A is you have a non-essential gathering of greater than 10 individuals for any reason, and B is you're encouraging a non-essential gathering greater than 10 individuals. Unless you violate those two, you will never touch that up to $15,000 violation. It will never happen. In my neighborhood, if you're a bodega, if you're one of those Chinese 99 cents variety stores, if you're a, um, if you're a mail drop place, you will never ever violate this because you do not have more than 10 people in your place at one time you just don't you don't and i live in a saturated ass place you just don't people don't do that all right so that's very critical so you need to understand that i mean you have the point is overall you have rights don't let the department of health lie to you don't let them fool you okay when it comes again the duration applicability this is only as long as there's a state of emergency if there's not if there's no state of emergency this will fall why because it was never intended to be part of the legislature it's not going to go to the legislative process process it never is the king the emperor is going to keep spewing his bullshit he's going to keep pushing more and more rules which he shouldn't be pushing because the executive order only suspends certain rules and laws doesn't permit him to create new ones out of thin air so that's the part one second part face coverings you could put a fucking napkin you first of all this is look i'm not a face i, I don't wear a mask okay i don't i think it's egregiously unconstitutional um aside from the fact that they're completely ineffective um, and that it's just in my eyes and I'm 100% sure the Supreme Court would agree with me at this, especially now. And they'll agree with me four to five. I'll agree with me five, four. Though the majority opinion will agree with me. It is unconstitutional for anyone to tell you that what to do with your bodily integrity or what to do with your body, your freedom of movement to breathe and enjoy air unobstructed and freely. It is a complete, it is a complete unconstitutional encroachment on your right to control your own body control your movements and control your own you know how you flow around in the country it totally unconstitutional i mean there's a concept that i mean there's this concept of bodily integrity this was the argument that was this was the whole thing that was argued during um you know the abortion debates right or um even with i mean that should even apply to vaccines right depending on if the government's put things to study that are harmful right bodily integrity shouldn't be doing that right um your freedom of movement. You look at lockdowns and restrictions, curfews. You know how many cases there are out there of curfews that adults cannot be told to curfew and say curfew inside their home. They they can't be. It's the, those cases have been shut out endlessly on the uh, endlessly. I know there's two cases off the top of my head. Um, one was in Florida. One was in New York. It was, one was in New York. It had something to do with uh, it was a Hispanic, some Hispanic thing. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. I'll find it. I'll put it on my website at some point in the future. But um, and it was it was saying how when in the uh, adult over the age of 18 has this constitutional right of freedom of movement 
they could move as they determined freely without obstruction. I mean, that is the whole core and basis of the ADA, you know, of like this whole having like barriers, right? You're not discriminated against somebody because of their disability. You're not obstructing their freedom of movement based on their disability. So that's the whole concept behind it. So, I mean, there's a variety of reasons I won't wear masks. I won't wear masks because I think it's egregiously unconstitutional. I think it's, I think these, these rules are arbitrary and capricious. I think it's been, it's well enough to know that masks don't work. And quite frankly, if you're going to sit there and tell me it, the fact that they shut down gyms and require masks is completely stupid because gyms and a healthy lifestyle are going to be what's going to help you. Um, it's going to be what's going to make you survive in this world. It ain't going to be a mask. It's not going to be uh, shutting your business down to 25%. And by the way, all the other shit that happens when you shut your business down like that, for instance, the increase in domestic violence, the increase in, in you know, al alcoholism, the increase in obesity, the increase in suicide. I mean, I think the last number I looked was like a 40% increase in domestic violence. It has been ridiculous. And this has been since March. And it is ridiculous. The numbers are enormous. And when, I mean, and the turmoil, people not paying their bills, people not being able to feed their family endlessly. For what? Makes no sense. And, and from my perspective, the whole concept of a mask is just symbolic of just shutting you the fuck up. Because every time you want to talk, the mask is already in your face to remind you, shut the fuck up. And that's what it's there for. And that's how I look at it. So, going back to face coverings. Um, going back to statutes. So where were we? Part one, it was uh, gonna only supposed to last as long as the executive order is in effect. The state of emergency. When the state of emergency is over, these rules are over and they expire. Um, face coverings. Um, only when you're in a public place and unable to social distance are you required to wear one. And only if you're over the age of two and medically... Um, able to tolerate a face covering. If you can't medically tolerate it, you don't have to wear one. Businesses are supposed to adhere to the rules of the ADA, um, adhere to the rules of human rights law. So if someone comes in and says, you know what, I genuinely, I cannot breathe, this is terrible, and I don't need to, and I'm just not interested, I, I, I have emphysema, I have bad asthma, I can't help myself, they, you should not be, you know, you do not need to be pushed around. It is a good faith argument to say, listen, it's a temporary guest, it's an invitee of my business, I'm not going to. I'm not going to send them out to bring a doctor's note to sell them bread, to sell them milk, sell her bread and milk. You know, it's not going to happen. So you don't need to do that. Okay, social distancing is six feet because COVID only attacks you um, if you're less than six feet and with your family member and with someone that's not a family member. I'm sorry if you're with a family member or a member of your household. COVID doesn't touch you. Um, as far as the penalties are concerned, the penalties are a maximum fine of thousand dollars each for individuals and entities. Um, if you only if you violate the non-essential gatherings of 10 or more, or encourage non-essential gatherings of 10 or more, does it, um, do you have the threat of this 15,000? So don't let them fool you, don't let them scare you. They're full of shit, and quite frankly, you need to be pushing them back. Everybody needs to be pushing them back, because unless you show teeth, they're gonna keep trampling on you and keep stepping on you and not giving you shit. So, with that in mind, I do also hate face masks. I hate everything they're. I hate everything they're symbolic of. I hate the symbolism in shutting you up. I hate the fact they're completely ineffective and that they say on the box will not help you from viruses. Um, I hate the fact that I was able to blow Christmas. I was able to blow birthday candles out with them. They are stupid and they do nothing. So you know what? Which brings me to my next point. Point two. I came across this fantastic company called FakeMaskUSA.com. Why? Because Stupid laws require stupid things, and stupid laws create fantastic opportunities for people who want to not only exploit it, but use the free market to just completely make a mockery of the whole situation. So here we have this website. You can go to fakemaskusa.com, 
and you can buy the 100% compliant face mask. Just like all the, I like the slogan, much like all the cloth face masks, this mask does nothing at all, but it gets you into the stores. Pathetic, but it's true. It's the most, likes it, it, it calls itself the most breathable, comfortable face covering on the market. It is 100% compliant with the tyrannical mask mandates issued by respective state dictators, and it gets into the store every time. Breathe free, get yours today. And just so you know, this little mask completely is compliant because, one more time, let's go directly to the statute and let's find out. So what is a face covering? A face covering shall include, but is not limited to, a cloth mask, homemade sewn, quick cut bandana, a surgical mask, and an N95 respirator. As you can see, there is no standard. It's very inclusive. It's any covering for the face which would include this fantastic mesh covering. <sighs> Completely breathable. Ah, because absurd laws require absurd tools and absurd toys. And you should all go to fakemask.com and patron this. And if you are watching the video, this is one of the greatest characters. This Leonardo Capra played the greatest character of all time. It's hysterical. And that mask is fantastic. So just give you a quick heads up. Here's a scroll down. Price is... What was it? I think it was like $4.99, right? Let's see. Shop now. What is this here? $8.99 for one, but I think if you buy a bunch of them, you buy a 10-pack for $49.99, whatever the case is. I mean, whatever. You wear it. You put it in. You wear it. You put it in the store. You get in. The airport will probably still throw you out, though. I think the airports are a little more aggressive, but um, whatever. Who gives a shit? No one in your neighborhood's really going to care because the fact of the matter is if you're one of those stupid... But, but wait, now, unless you're one of those stupid COVID-conscious COVID families or if you're, one of the, if you're a listener and you're a COVID-conscious listener, then you're going to be very upset with this. Matter of fact, quite frankly, you probably want to listen to my podcast anyway because I'm definitely not your type. I am definitely not the person you want to bring home to dad because I possibly hate all COVID-conscious families and I think this is completely stupid. Um, I, you know, so... You know, again, you all know my take on this, and I have a, have a website, basically, that talks about this. Uh, part three I want to discuss, um, I just want to preface something that I'm going to be doing uh, in an article later on, uh, on, a, on a post uh, blog I want to write about later on. So the EEOC issued some guidance on how employers will treat mandatory vaccination. So the vaccine's big, right? So this is like the new hot button issue now, mandating vaccines. You know, obviously I'm not a I'm not a fan of mandating vaccines. I don't particularly care about the vaccine per, uh, per se. I'm not anti-drug. I'm not anti-chemical. I don't care. What I do care about is the government mandating you to do anything like this. Um, what's really interesting is that, you know, the way a vaccine works is it gives you just a little bit of the whatever the virus, the strain, your body's antigens or whatever they're called, antibodies start picking up, boom, boom, boom. They fight them off. You get sick or whatever the case is. You get sick for a little bit and you're supposedly a lot better on. Why? Because it's predicated off of encouraging your body to promote antibodies with a small dose. Why you don't get the same by just being exposed to other people like you have been for thousands of years as a civilization, I don't understand. Suddenly your immune system doesn't work in 2020. And we have to be relying on a vaccine. And might I also add, you know, the effectiveness of the flu vaccine, because the flu still kills 160,000 people a year, but not this year, though. This year, the flu was 95% eradicated, you know. I mean, not, not because we said all flu deaths were COVID, but, you know, because, you know, flu is just completely eradicated this year. So, 
So anywho, so the EEOC issued some of the guidance on the vaccinations and whether employees can compel you. And I just, I, I, I'm seeing a lot of emails going back and forth, especially from attorneys. I'm seeing a lot of emails going back and forth that, oh, you know, employers, EEOC has issued clear guidance that an employer could compel you to be vaccinated and save themselves from liability. Yeah, I'm going to be posting this soon because I didn't look through this entirely. That's why I want to wait till I actually blog about it. But let me tell you right now, the EEOC is setting a lot of employees up for, for many lawsuits. Like when you read about what it says here, about especially with the religious exemption, because that's big, right? Because a lot of people rely on the religious exemption. You know, whether or not they're truly religious, I don't know, right? I'm not 100% sure. Me personally, I'm a pretty, you know, I'm God-fearing Roman Catholic. Um, you hear me curse. You see my personality. You wouldn't think I was. But, um, you know, I, I consider myself to be. Do I think religion stops me from taking a vaccine? Not really. I don't think God gives a shit whether I take a vaccine or not. Not sure. That's, you know, his prerogative. He'll let me know when I die if I did shit right or wrong in my life. But the point is, so I like what the EOC's um, comment here. If you see my screen, it says, uh, once an employer is on notice that employees sincerely held religious belief observance prevents the employee from receiving the vaccination, the employer must provide a reasonable accommodation for the religious belief unless it would pose an undue hardship under Title VII and the Civil Rights Act. And courts define an undue hardship as having more than a de minimis cost of burden on the employer. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, that's bullshit. I, that is bullshit. I have seen courts go pretty great lengths for an employee to say an undue hardship. I mean, like they, I've seen cases where employees really had to exhaust a lot. And I'm in the, I originally started as a defense side attorney. So I, I know a thing or two about a thing or two with this stuff. I can tell you right now, I mean, I've seen employers that they've been held to not only transfer an employee to another location, say because of whatever accommodation needs to be, but to actually like really push and aggressively try to convince, you know, a third party client to take this employee, you know, even in light because it provides like a, a light duty job to accommodate their disability, whatever the case is. Like I, I've seen courts require some pretty extraneous shit for employers to um, meet that burden. So, <laughs> so the EOC is being a little bit disingenuous here when they say it's just as simple as uh, anything more than de minimis. De minimis means, you know, at the very minimum. And that is certainly not the case. And I think it's pretty funny because, uh, it further says here, if, however, an employee's request a religious accommodation and an employee has an objective basis for questioning the religious nature or sincerity of a particular belief, practice, observance, the employer would be justified in requesting additional supporting information. And then it goes on. Before that, it says, um, EEOC guidance explains that because the definition of religion is broad and protects beliefs, practices, observances, which the employer may be unfamiliar, the employer should ordinarily assume that an employee's request for religious accommodations is based on their sincerely held religious belief. So what is the EOC saying here? Because the concept of religion is super broad, the employer is best to assume that their request for a religious accommodation is sincere because it's truthful. I, I Guys, <laughs> I'm watching attorneys tell employers you're going to be fine mandate, mandating vaccines. And they like to point to this. You will not be fine. You will be going through a lot of litigation. And either whether you win or lose, it's going to cost you $100,000 to defend these cases. So, and I'll be the one probably suing you. And I use, I'm a defense side attorney. So I would be, because you're a jerk off, I'd be much, I'd be very happy to sue you for that. So I just want to be very clear. You will, it will be a problem for you. Um, it will be a huge problem for you. <laughs> so think about that when you start mandating these things before you allow people to come into work and support their families. Okay. And the EOC is not your friend. I notice very well from a very long history in the after uh, in the automotive after market industry 
the government is not your friend. You sit there, you play nice with the EPA, you play nice with the California Air Resources Board, and you get fucked in the end. Keep that in mind, okay? EEOC is no different. I'm going to come back to this in a blog post because I want some time to read this. This is pretty long. This is like a lot of pages here. So I do want some time to read this before I go through it, but I, I wanted to just kind of preface what I want to do next. And I do want to take a moment to speak about the time. Now, I'm going to timestamp this because this is... 32 minutes into the podcast so a buddy of mine had a question and i did want to uh touch his question here so let's go so a buddy of mine owns a home-based business where he builds custom he has custom gun builds designs and a variety of um, stylistic features for your firearm he doesn't want to pay insurance because according to him it's a small fortune mistake number one okay one lawsuit is going to be more than any premium you're paying in a year I mean, I don't know, maybe doctors are different. I can tell you as an attorney, my malpractice insurance, though a little bit costly, it's way cheaper than one lawsuit, okay? Just keep in mind, every lawsuit, you can look at $70,000, $80,000 in defense costs. Is it gonna be worth it? Not really. So I think that you should, you know, your first first response here is you should get your ass some insurance, stop playing games, okay? And if you're hearing me, get some fucking insurance, okay? Don't play games, don't be stupid because you wanna save a little money now, you're gonna be fucked in the end, okay? So now he asked, would a waiver absolve him of any liability? So he wants to have a waiver for the injury. Um, he is also willing to give a warranty on only custom builds for 30 to 60 days. So I guess like stock products, um, whatever he, I guess, gets from a distributor, gets from a wholesaler and resells. You know, maybe he doesn't want to get involved in that. He wants to waive liability for that. I want to be very clear. We, uh, you can never waive negligence. In strict products liability, there is no waiver, okay? He is selling a good. He is selling custom gun builds. He's selling stylus designs for these firearms. If somebody gets hurt, you're going to get sued. It is strict liability, and every single party in the supply chain is going to get caught. You can have a million waivers with a million customers. It might go to the amount of diligence. It'll go to your award. You know, were you diligent? Did you take what you believe to be the proper steps? Did you properly warn the consumer of the risk involved? You know, all that stuff goes to the award, but you will never, ever find yourself clean cut with no liability when it comes to a consumer. Now, you can have a li- you could have some kind of um, indemnification agreement, which I would recommend with your supplier, maybe with a business partner. You talk about allocation of risk, right? Of, uh, you know, I see here custom gun builds. If he gets those parts and he assembles them, but he gets those parts from somebody else and those parts are faulty, he should probably enter in some kind of indemnification agreement with them. Maybe he wants to be an additional short on their insurance policy if their products fail. But there's going to be no waiver on this planet that's going to save him from a lawsuit. If somebody gets takes their firearm, gets a custom gun build, gets some kind of custom design on their gun, it slips, trickle pulls, shoots himself in the ass. You're, there's no waiver that's going to save you from that. So I just want to keep that in mind. So um, remember that. Never forget it. Never think you're safe. It's just how it is. You know, what are you going to do? Um, so good. So we're there. And he also mentioned about giving a warranty on only custom bills, 30 60 days. I mean, that's fine. You can certainly give a warranty. Um, there's no problems with warranties. There's a, you know, 
I, I doubt this is somebody that doesn't use contracts and agreements. So I doubt he's waiving any warranties already to begin with. So if you're not waiving any warranties already to begin with, there's an implied warrant. There's an implied warrant. I'm assuming he's in New York. I'm assuming he's in New York. And, you know, New York follows some variation of the Uniform Commercial Code. So in New York, you, you know, like in most states, 99% of states, maybe all of them, maybe I think, except if I remember law school, Louisiana or whatever it was, that was like common civil law or some shit. But um, if your state follows any variation of the Uniform Commercial Code, has a lot of gap fillers in uh, the sale of goods. One of those gap fillers is an implied um, warranty of merchantability, implied warranty of, uh, what is it, fitness for use or something to that effect. Implied warranties of um, certain elements of the product. So, for instance, if you show a sample, a sample is like an express warranty. That's what I'm talking about. That's not implied. That's express. So, you have certain implied warranties. The two big ones are warranty of merchantability and the warranty of fitness for use. The third one you have, I believe, is an express warranty. If you show them a sample, it's presumed that all the products you sell are similar to that sample. So, I doubt he's waiving them anyway to begin with. But if he wants to have a specific warranty, that's fine. He certainly could write that. He could limit that specific warranty to the custom builds, um, not just simply to the products. He needs to, for the products, he needs to make the consumer know, he needs to put the consumer on notice that if it's a product that he's getting from a supplier, from a warehouse or from a distributor, and he's just a reseller, he needs to put the customer on, on notice that A, you know, those products are subject to the warranties from the warehouse, the distributor, wholesaler. Um, B, that he offers no warranties. He, all products sold as is, all warranties are transferred over the cases. He needs to put them on notice. I don't believe he has a website. I don't believe he has all these formalities in place. So I kind of think he's fucking himself. Um, I don't think the way, and going back to, again, I don't think the waiver is going to be helpful. Um, I think the waiver is better between his distributors and wholesalers because you could allocate the risk of loss. Your waiver is not going to be helpful against um, a regular consumer because they have strict products liability. Someone gets hurt with the pistol, whatever. Someone gets hurt with the uh, gun build and blames it on the company. He's going to be part of the chain of, um, he's going to be part of the chain of distribution that's going to be subject to strict products liability. So he's not going to be able to waive himself out. He's better off, A, paying for the insurance, stopping a cheap ass, or B, getting some kind of indemnification agreement or insurance agreement with his suppliers and have him named, as, or maybe have himself named as an um, individual insured on the policy, which would pick up for those kind of builds. So just to recap one more time, again, if you're listening, pay attention. One, pay for the insurance, don't be cheap ass. Two, your warranty's not going to save you with the consumer. You should do it anyway, just some general... You don't got to get them to, you know, whether they sign it or not, it's great, but I doubt it's going to be upheld because it's going to be strict liability, but certainly put them on notice of any, put them on notice of it. Certainly shows you do better diligence. Um, I think we're up to three, three, your real connection is going to be with your, your supplier, your distributor, your parts distributor, your wholesaler, have indemnification agreement with them, um, that if their products are defective, whatever cases the damages arise from their products, that they indemnify you or you know, get on their insurance policy as an additional insured. And the final portion was your warranty on your custom bills. That's fine. Make sure you have something that you put the consumer on notice that all sales as is or whatever, unless it's a custom build and you provide this unique warranty for 30 to 60 days. And that'll be a wrap. And that's where you want to go with that. So I hope that was helpful. That started at 32. So the time now is 40. We're doing pretty good time. So I'm going to be closing this from here. But, um, 
then expect from me the next thing that you're going to be getting here is you're going to be getting some i, I do want to break down the ceoc guidance a little bit because i think they're fucked up i think they're given uh, i think they're kind of speaking a little in jest here and i think that if employees follow their guidance you're going to get fucked in the end so let's not let you get fucked and let's do the right thing and well first of all let's never trust the uoc anyway two trust you got three do what you think is right you know you don't need a government telling you what to do anyway you should also push back on the government because the government a bunch of communists and they don't know how to run your business they should never be telling you how to run your business because they're morons and uh that's it from here so all right everybody this was the second podcast uh, i hope it was somewhat entertaining educational I hope you enjoyed the fucking theme song because I put a substantial amount of work and effort into the theme song and I hope it works. And I certainly hope I don't get sued for that theme song. I did send an email to Five Figure Death Punch and I asked him for the right to use it. I asked him for a license. I'm more than happy. <laughs> I don't have a lot of money. I have probably zero people listening to this podcast. Tomorrow, twice as many. So I don't know. One day I'll be a millionaire, but right now I'm not even like a hundredaire. So what? Down the road, we'll be making millions. All right, everybody. Peace out, yo. It's been real. Uh, and you know the deal. Lift big. What is it now? Eat big, lift large, get huge. And when you die, leave huge cats behind. Live unusually motivated. Yours in love, lift, and law. Peace.